This episode is full of spoilers and contains some not-so-super language. Citizens, welcome to the Fortress of Potitude. I'm Dave Michaels. I'm Brian Betts. And we are the Cape Podcasters. And this is the show that wants to know... What bounces downstairs, smashes tanks in pairs, tears apart your neighbor's dog. It's way too long, but so is the song. It's Hulk, Hulk, Hulk. It's Hulk, it's Hulk. It's big, it's heavy, it's, it's green. green. It's Hulk, it's Hulk. It's better than bad. It's actually pretty damn good. It's, um, it's not... It's not bad. It's pretty damn good. It's Hulk by Marvel. You got Avi Arad, you got Kevin Feige, and you got the other executive producer, Stan Lee. <laughs> of course. Naturally, you got to include the man. Well, I think the precedent's already very set of you making a comic book Marvel flick. Get the Stan the Man in there. Because he's here in 2003, and we'll get there, because it is a double dip that's almost offensive. <laughs> And yet. <laughs> we also should say, today, we are talking about 2003's Hulk, directed by Ang fucking Lee. Absolutely Ang fucking Lee. The Ang fucking Lee. Oh, absolutely the Ang fucking Lee. He's one of those guys you wouldn't expect to ever direct a comic book movie. Right. But here we are. And yet. Have you ever seen this thing before? No, this is my very first time. And... Wow, I think this thing might have come out a little too early. Completely agree. <laughs> because now this thing would land. <laughs> it would land hard. This would I think. land really hard. This is one of those that I saw in theaters. Okay. And I didn't even care too much for comic books, comic book movies, 2003. Sure. I'm still trying to find my way in the world in high school. <laughs> I go and see this and I go, all right. And then I left and then forgot all about it yeah. until. The year of our Lord, 2021, for the most part, until I watched it just now. This is a good movie. It's solid. Uh, there's there's some uh, some stuff in there that uh, isn't necessary, but... Well, it's two hours, 18 minutes long. There's a lot that's not necessary. <laughs> As a whole, yeah, solid flick. I kind of just want to get into this one, because there's so much to talk about. There's a lot. I am so happy we revisited this thing, like, well, you with the first time, me, now the second time. Right. I'm so excited for this. Hulk, baby. Hulk, Get baby. green. Get your Hulk hands on. Let's start smashing. Forget about Louis Leterrier. Forget about Edward Norton. <laughs> they can hit the fucking bricks right now. It's all about Eric Banner. <laughs> Eric Banner playing Bros Banner. <laughs> That's um, confusing. Isn't to put it? it lightly. <laughs> <laughs> Are you still a feckin' Hulk? <laughs> you gotta tell me if you're a fucking Hulk. If you're a fucking Hulk, you gotta tell me. Kid. <laughs> if you're a Hulk, we gotta go down and dunks right now. I can't have you turning green and southy. Brucey. Can't not that Brucey. Huh? <laughs> <laughs> this brings in variety. He's taking a uh, back seat. He's gotta rest before he puts out another album. He's he's working on it. Our PR department here at the K Podcast <laughs> has told us he's working on his new album. <laughs> he's in the studio. Give it time. Let's just get into this thing. Let's do it. We start out with the science montage to end all science montages. 
I'm talking about a solid five minutes of dissecting creatures and doing genetic modifications and microbiology and whatnot. Jellyfish, starfish, sea cucumbers, lizards, monkeys, syringes, centrifuges. Everything you could want from a five-minute science montage. It's so damn long, but you know what? I can get over it because I got Daniel fucking Elfman holding yeah, my hand. The whole way through. The just whole like, way through. Come along. And I was like, uh, I was enthralled by the opening credits. I was like, this is going to be fun. Oh, without a doubt. And you want to know what? I'll do anything with Danny Elfman next to me playing his sweet tunes. I'll go to church even. Like, I'm willing <laughs> to go that far. Danny Elfman is church. I agree. Well, that song, Tag Me to Church, it's actually about Daniel Elfman. <laughs> it's like, Hozier just needs a ride to Danny Elfman's house. Don't we all, though? Yes, Don't we all? We, we do. We cut to a desert base, 1966. David Banner, played by Paul Kersey, has some kind of breakthrough with all this science he was just montaging about. He did so much science, and we saw it montaged about. <laughs> and now he's like, I got to kick this story into high gear. We can't just montage all day with the elf man. And yet, we might have to do it again. Also true. Because we're still in some sort of weird montage world. Also true again. This movie really is just a long montage. Yeah. Sergeant Thaddeus Ross, played by Todd Tesson, is like, hey, president said no human testing. David's like, fuck that. I'm going to stick myself with this here molecular concoction. And then I'm going to have a baby with my wife and hope he's okay. Guess <laughs> it's what? It's a bold move, Cotton. Let's see if it pays off. <laughs> yeah. Guess what? Kids' genes are all kind of fucky. And David- There are like, a lot of kind of fucky. I got to find a cure for this. <laughs> I like how he's like, I hope that my son gets the green DNA. Oh, shit. My son got the green DNA. Right? I love that- the, they're just zooming in on words in his notebook, like, worst case scenario. Oh, all my nightmares have come true. We need to find a <laughs> cure. It's like, all right, John Favreau, go away so, so Ang Lee can take over the rest of the movie. He does go away, for the most part. He does. He's definitely in the background. He's still whispering little tips along the way. One other quick thing about his notes also. He did this experiment on June 25th, 1967. Ooh. You know what happened on that day? What? Not a fucking thing. I looked it up. <laughs> it was the most obscure date they could have picked in my mind. They were like, we need to find a date where nothing happened. There was like a local PBS channel that started. That was the day that it's, and it's like, all right, I guess that's something. Culturally significant. In the history of Hulk, 1967 is the year that Marvel filed for the Incredible Hulk trademark, but that didn't even hit till 1970. Wow. So it's just, this has nothing. It has nothing to do with it. Just Sometimes pausing a movie is a waste of time and it makes a two-hour, 18-minute-long movie longer. Uh, but, you know, if you don't look for it, you miss out on the fun stuff. You may never know. You might stumble across something wonderful. Not in this movie. Sometimes you just stumble across a PBS. <laughs> Sometimes you just waste your time. Sergeant Thad finds the human blood samples from David's son in his lab, and he's like, Hey, we said no humans. You're off of the project. So, David... Decides he's going to blow the whole facility up. As you do. The emergency sirens sound and David races home where his wife is protecting their kid under the dining room table. And he's like, we got to talk. She's like, now? He's like, now. They go into the bedroom. Now there's a commotion in the room while this little kid is outside in the living room playing with his stuffed dinosaur and monkey. Right. After he presumably did cocaine. The little because boy. the oh. camera definitely suggests oh, yeah. that he did a lot of cocaine. 
because you have all this like blurred vision of these dinosaurs banging into each other, and it's like, holy shit, kid. What are you doing? I understand about throwing rocks at cars and stuff at that age, but snorting them? Bud. <laughs> That's too much. You're too young. You're too young to know that. You gotta wait at least at this point. four more years until you're eight. Exactly. Especially in the desert of probably Nevada, New Mexico, wherever it might be. I think it's New Mexico. Okay. Then I'm going to Google it. Da, 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 da. Oh, yeah. The legal age limit for cocaine there is eight. Nailed it. Said. So good job, Brian. Crushed cocaine it. master, Brian. Well, I don't know if that's a nickname I want. <laughs> that's going to stick. The cocaine master. I don't know. Do I embrace this? Or, yeah, let's let's just go with it. The kid's on cocaine. Go ahead. That's right. He's not, but he totally is. And then the bedroom door opens, and we're in present day. Bruce Krenzler wakes up from his crazy nightmare, and his mom's like, ah, you're off to college. You'll be a great scientist. And then we cut to presenter day. I love how they don't even say, like, what type of science anyone's doing. Nope, just science. Just, man, you're going to do science so hard at that school you're going you're to? the best at science. He's like, well, I don't know about that, but I'll try. Man, I can't wait to make the science team, and I'm going to throw up some alley-oops of science. To my other fellow scientists. <laughs> hey, how many hypotheses did you score in the game today? Oh, that's cool. I scored six. Damn. Suck it. You had a six hypotheses game? Yeah, man. You're that's like, right. You're like the thesis statement master. That's why they call me Bruce the Full Method Banner. <laughs> Krenzler. Sorry. He's Krenzler. He's Krenzler. Still. He's not Banner. Sorry. <laughs> so in presenter day, Dr. Krenzler, Eric Banner, shaves, and then he rides his bike to work. And it's been 12 minutes since this movie, and now we're ready to start it. Finally, we've <laughs> arrived. The action has occurred because Bruce Krenzler. No more montage. Bicycle. When he gets to the Berkeley Nuclear Biotechnology, Biotechnology Institute, those are words. You just failed science. I did. I did not get any uh, hypotheses points. Not today. He's greeted by two security guards, and Dave, I have to ask does this Lou Frigno get snapped? This Lou Ferrigno does get snapped, and what's worse is he never heard it coming. <laughs> oh, oh, wow. What about the Stan? Because there's two security guards. It's, it's Stanley and Lou Ferrigno. It's a double dip of cameo here. Yeah, they're just like, let's get it out of the way early. They do, and there's got to be like laws against this. <laughs> it's just too much. Like I feel like the second they got on screen, the film should stop, and they should get like ticketed. Nope, nope, too much. Get out. This movie, you should have to, like, you know, you collect, like, royalties if this thing plays in syndication on television or whatever. I feel like they should get, like, fined. They should have to pay money back. <laughs> no. To the world. No. Because you... you've just double cameoed way too hard. Do you think Ang Lee was trying to do, like, a Hitchcock situation here? Where he was just like, get it out of the way so they stop looking for it? Without a doubt he was. And I appreciate that. Also, this Stan, living. I agree. Because, well, Mostly because the flu got snapped. Exactly. It's a 50-50 thing. Bruce is a research scientist who works with his ex, Betty Ross, Jennifer fucking Connolly. Yeah, she's definitely here. Thank God. Does she ever close her mouth while acting? I'm not sure. I'll have to get back to you on that. I don't think that she does. It's one of those things, like, if you ever read the comic for Unbeatable Squirrel Girl, like, she keeps her mouth open the whole time. You see those buck teeth sticking down. Yeah. Jennifer Connelly's got a squirrel girl thing going on, like in life, and I am for it. <laughs> it's it's her her life bit. Just doesn't close her mouth. No, and it makes me feel like one eight hundred dentist or whatever that thing is should like get on board <laughs> now. You have found your spokeswoman. 
Lady shows her teeth constantly, man. Sign her up. Sign her up. Do what it. What are you waiting for? 1-800-DENTIST.COM. Is that a thing? I don't... <laughs> Probably is. <laughs> like, 1-800-CONTACTS.COM is a thing, and you go, right. wow, you guys didn't foresee telephones dying the way like they did. <laughs> hey, call us at our website. You can order contacts at 1010-2-CONTACT. <laughs> do you accept the cataracts? Neither do we. Bob, we had a baby eats nearsighted. <laughs> We could have been like ad men back in the 2000s, man. Oh, man. I would Missed have opportunity like again. prodigy. <laughs> He's so young. How does he do it? I don't know. Get him more cocaine. I like how you just kind of like Tommied there, like pinball wizard. Oh, yeah. But with ads. But with ads. Very different. Very, very different. And now it makes me want to see Mad Men but he's deaf, dumb, and blind. (laughs) I thought you were going to say, but he's a child. And you know what? Both. Let's go. And you want to know who his partner is at the ad firm? Lou Ferrigno. Because he's halfway there also. (laughs) But he's snapped. That's also true. This is the 2000s. This is a pre-snap Lou Ferrigno. So Bruce and Betty, they work together. Their research focuses on nanomeds and gamma radiation to cure cancer and other diseases. But mostly they just blow up frogs. Did Bruce and Betty doink? Oh, for sure. They work really, really well together for being post-doink. Oh, absolutely. They're, like, the worst of it is Betty teases him once in a while. Oh, without a doubt. I have to imagine that doesn't fly with Bruce, but at the same time, it also might because of how emotionally distant he is. The hell. They do make a point of saying that he's, he's that. I feel like that's a really, really good way to cover up for Eric Bana's acting abilities. <laughs> He's emotionally distant. It's not just that he can't do things with his face. Right. It's not that you don't lack the ability. It's just uh, we, we wrote in a nice line of dialogue, you're going to be a star kid for two other movies after this. Star kid? And that's it. No. No. <laughs> you Doesn't said taste it. like alien turds at all. Uh, he can't emote? Well, write it into the script. Perfect. You're welcome, Eric Bana. It's a shame that you talk down about this movie later in life. Yeah. I have an actual IMDb trivia fact for you. Oh, goody. The frog is fake. The crew pumped air into it to make it look like it was breathing. That's actually kind of neat, and I like that. Yeah. That one's free. All right. (laughs) Glenn Talbot, played by Josh Lucas. He used to work for the same lab as Betty and Bruce, but uh, he's since moved on to a private corporation called Atheon. He's like a military subcontractor or some, something like that. You know how Marvel does it. Yeah. He's that. <laughs> he's that guy. He comes into their lab and he flirts with Betty and he's like, hey, you guys, uh, you should, any kind of breakthrough you have, bring it to me because I'll give you lots of money and also militarize it. And they're like, no, it's okay. And also there's a new janitor. I like how coy they're being with this janitor also. Oh, it's yeah. Like the, the man looks like Nick Nolte. Even without looking at his face, you're like, that's Nick Nolte. Yeah, yeah. Uh, you can shoot him from behind all you want. That's Nick Nolte. <laughs> <laughs> There's only one man in the world who looks like a, a walking mugshot, and it's Nick Nolte. I love that they introduce this guy that you're immediately like, that's the villain. And then he leaves, and the next guy they introduce is like, old gender's dead. And they're like, okay, maybe that guy's the villain, actually. <laughs> Bruce, he's burning the midnight oil. He has a flashback about Betty telling him her recurring nightmare where her dad, Thaddeus Ross, from, you know, the montage in the beginning, he's having ice cream with her, and she's just a little baby. And then he has to rush off, leaving a baby unattended in an ice cream parlor. She's like four. Yeah. For what it's worth. Like, I have a four-year-old, and this scene 
hurt to watch. Yeah, yeah, something must be really important to leave your child behind like that. Oh, absolutely. And he didn't even hesitate, though. Not a second. She's sitting there crying, eating her ice cream, and then she sees a big old green explosion in the distance. And then a modern-day Bruce picks her up and puts, picks up baby Betty, puts her on the table, and starts choking her. It's weird. It's super weird. And it's like, all right, Ang Lee, what are you doing here? What demons do you have deep inside, Ang Lee, <laughs> that you want to discuss for two hours, 18 minutes? This is 2003. We're not ready for this. This is some DC shit. Oh, absolutely. So after his fun journey down memory lane, he leaves the lab, and he's totally cool with a random dog being there. I like how he goes to pet the dog, and the dog's like, I don't know why you're petting this weird science dog. <laughs> Never do that. I'm just a loose dog in the halls of a lab. Yeah, pet me. That's, that's, that'll work out just great. It's like a French poodle, though. I get it. You'd be like, all right, you look friendly enough. Surely nothing's ever going to go wrong with a French poodle. Never, ever. It's a hellhound, man. Yeah. And then the, uh, the new janitor comes along and steals Bruce's hair. <laughs> yes, he does. And he brings it home and chops it up, and it turns out there's no regular janitor. It's David Banner. It's Nick fucking Nolte. How do you think it would be to be cast as a young Nick Nolte? Like, how offensive is that? That's gotta hurt. Like <laughs> When they, like, put out the cast and call, like, we want a young Nick Nolte. Nobody should line up. <laughs> it's like, oh, damn it, I'm a young Nick Nolte type, aren't I? <laughs> well... At least there won't be many people in the audition room. It's true. You have a really good shot at that. And also, when he steals the hair, I'm convinced that was like documentary footage of just Nick Nolte being <laughs> Nick Nolte. I feel like- And they're like, write it into the script! Nick Nolte's- Brilliant! Nick Nolte's the move that if like you want to make sure the audience knows that this guy is crazy, but you're not ready to commit to Gary Busey. That's pretty much it. You want like Gary Busey, but with talent. <laughs> Which is weird, because Gary Busey is Oscar-nominated. Yeah. But- He's now Gary Busey. We've all seen Black Sheep and the direction that his career has gone in. Absolutely. He is not the same as his buddy Holly Day. Doesn't he have a, like a show on Hulu now where he's like a, a pet judge? Yep. That's just good programming right there. That's all you need to say. <laughs> I'm sold. Dave, I have another actual IMDb trivia fact. And guess what? It's the last one I have. Oh, yes. Yeah, just I I like this Ang for Lee some reason. getting it out early. Perfect. Nick Nolte, David Banner, was using an oxygen tank throughout the production. Eric Banner recalled a moment where, after taking a hit of oxygen on set, Nolte turned to Banner and confided, I don't really need this. It just makes them think you're fucking crazy and they pay attention. He, like, blue-velveted the cast? <laughs> yeah. More or less? I don't... Who does that? I really don't need this. <laughs> I just... I realize I'm on a Hulk movie, and who gives a fuck? <laughs> Eric Banner, who are you? I'm David Banner. You're Eric Banner. This isn't fucking Boston, son. Oh, I'm David Banner. <laughs> you knock it off. You knock it off right now. Bruce Banner, played by Eric Banner. If you don't knock it off, I'm going to go Wolfie Berserk style on you. Get a sock full of quarters. <laughs> really ruin your day. They should have cast Nick Nolte as, as like, older Jay. <laughs> he could have. <laughs> <laughs> Can you imagine, like, Nick Nolte in any other role, though? Like, I'm imagining him as, like, a Joker type of, have you ever danced with the devil in the pale moonlight? Actually super intimidating. <laughs> Doesn't blink at all. He just lowers, like, the one eye a little bit. Yeah. It's like The Rock, but not charismatic. Just <laughs> terrifying. 
somehow emoting just slightly more than Eric Bana. <laughs> just barely more. <laughs> like father, like son, though. It's perfect. It is. The next day, Talbot comes back to the lab, and he's like, please let me militarize your research. I'll give you so much money. And Bruce is like, no, man. Betty's like, let me handle it. I'll talk to daddy. And that's, that's not what she calls Talbot. That's what she calls her actual father. Right, right. It should uh, be noted. <laughs> old Thaddeus Ross. Later that day, while the other scientist guy is trying to fix something on their frog exploder machine. Well, oh, hold on. Don't call him just the other scientist guy. That's Kevin fucking Rankin. Yeah. From Friday Night Lights. That, that guy. He's extremely good. He has two and in this, scenes. He's barely in it. <laughs> but in other things, he's extremely good. Yeah, I don't even remember. Was it Hudson? Was that the, the name? Let's just go with sure. All right. Nailed so it. The other scientist guy. <laughs> uh, he's trying to fix the frog exploder, and something goes very, very wrong. And we know it goes wrong because he freaks the fuck out. Yeah. And Bruce runs in there and he's like, What's going on? Oh, no. It's too late. The thing's going to go and we're all going to get frog exploded. If I weren't so emotionally distant, I would panic right now. <laughs> Instead, I'm going to stand in front of this giant gamma beam. Well, the person who can emote in the next room, Jennifer Connelly, is going to start screaming. But I love this giant gamma beam because he stands in front of it, and it is so anticlimactic because it's like just an x-ray machine at like the dentist. Yep. There's nothing to it at all. And I have to imagine, yeah, that's kind of what it would be like. It's probably exactly what it's like, yeah. It's like, oh, he lit up green for a second, and he didn't even vanish like it was the MacGuffin from Red Sonja. Exactly. Thank God. I apologize for bringing it up. Bruce is exposed to massive doses of nanomeds and gamma radiation, and he's fine. He doesn't die. He's in better than fine. In fact, he feels better than ever. Exactly. Like he's ready to go bounce downstairs. Destroy tanks and pairs. <laughs> he couldn't be better. He has some wild dreams about moss and jellyfish and exploding frogs, though. As you do. Yeah, I mean, that's just natural gamma uh, reaction. Exactly. It's kind of like the, the science green fairy of sorts. Is there absinthe in a, an Incredible Hulk? I don't remember what the ingredients were in the drink. No, in a Incredible Hulk, it's Hennessy, Hypnotic, and Bitters. Oh, that sounds awful. Yep. Not as bad as absinthe, though. No, absinthe's brutal. I, I quite dislike the taste of that stuff. <laughs> it's not great. Bruce is going to get another visitor. It's going to be the janitor, David Banner, who's like, your name's not Krenzler. It's Banner. You're not just my physical son. The child of my mind. Also, did you put a penny in that door? Because if you put a penny in that door, I'm going to kill you. No, I didn't put it. Why would I put a penny in the door? I'm watching out for you. Janitor says something funny. <laughs> it's Jan Etor. <laughs> not Nick Nolte. No, very, very different from Neil Flynn. He does not say very anything different. funny. <laughs> Do you think, like, Nick Nolte has ever, like, told a joke in his life? If he does, I hope somebody got it on film, because I want to witness it. I feel like if he told a joke, it would be like Tom Hanks telling the joke in Catch Me If You Can. Yes. Knock, knock. Who's there? Go fuck yourself. <laughs> Genius. Spielberg loves it. So good. He'll make the movie. <laughs> Great pitch, Nick Nolte. David suggests that Bruce has secret reserves of power hidden within him, and then he needs to protect him from Betty. And then he's like, all right, me and my dogs are going to get out of here. 
I love these dogs just following him around. Yeah. Though. It's such a cool character quirk. It's weird that he's like, look out for Betty and not like, look out for Betty's dad. But, you know, movies. Well, you don't know how him and Betty were in the sack. Maybe he got angry. Like, he's into that. Oh, maybe. Like, that's where he's able to unleash. But how does dad know that? He's been in prison for 30 years. What do you think I've been watching in prison all that time? <laughs> just hanging out with, with General Ross, just <laughs> critiquing their kid's performance. I told you my son could bend that way. Like Beckham? That's right. <laughs> Curled it right in, top corner. Yeah, you're imagining it. I don't know how that works, but <laughs> good for Bruce. <laughs> oh, that's weird and gross. Yeah. I'm so sorry, everyone. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it is. So David Banner takes his dogs, goes home, and he's going to do some experiments of his own, mostly on this rat that turns into a big Hulk rat. Right, just some night science, <laughs> as he wants to do in this movie. <laughs> the best kind of science. Night science. Once the lights go out, the fun begins. Hey, you trying to experiment that'd be like the weirdest thing to see on like late night tv oh like yeah old school like cinemax or whatever it would be it's not so much like taxi cab confessions or whatever the hell that oh, was god wow i forgot all about like, that it would just be nick nolte wandering around hey you do you know the periodic symbol for gold see i could tell a joke i'm nick nolte <laughs> That's possibly the nerdiest joke I've ever come up with. It's up there. And I hate me, <laughs> but I more hate Nick Nolte. But also, Nick Nolte's fucking crushing this movie. He is. It's unreal to watch because it's like, wow, somehow one, he's, he has one setting and he's crushing that one setting. You want to hear another joke? <laughs> Absolutely. Remember that time I did the AU gold joke? Yep. You know what happens if someone had an AU gold chain and ran away? What? They would say, see you, copper. Are you proud of yourself? Nick Nolte dad jokes. Um, yeah, I'm here if for it. If anyone wants to write the book, enjoy it. <laughs> it's called... Call up Penguin Random House, collect your millions, you're welcome. Night Science, the book of Nick Nolte dad jokes. <laughs> It's so complicated. It's so many things all thrown together. Or is it just Night Science, a joke book by Nick Nolte? Every time you say Night Science, I have the Crossfire song stuck in my Me head. Me too. It immediately happened. Oh my God. Night like, Science. I... You get caught up in there. Night, Night Science. <laughs> Night Science. You'll get caught up in it. Yeah, We know you sang that part already. Why are you repeating it? We didn't come up with a lot of lyrics. <laughs> Betty has a meeting about Talbot snooping around the lab with her father. Now General Ross. He's not a sergeant anymore. He's moved up in the last 30 years. Right. And he's also a Sam Elliott He's now. a Sam fucking Elliot. I, sorry. Uh, he's a Sam fucking Elliot. And his mustache is a must fucking stash. It sure is. Because that thing is legendary. He wanted to shave it off. He was like, no, illegal against the law. Exactly. He said four star generals don't have mustaches. And Ang Lee was like the character in the comic does. Sam Elliott does not have right to his own mustache. We <laughs> control it. The general public controls the fate of that stash Just and it stays for forever. Bunch of men in Washington deciding what's happening with the mustache. <laughs> They're going to bring it to the floor of Congress. <laughs> and you want to know what? 
bipartisanship. It's unanimous. Shot down. <laughs> Keep it, Sam Elliott. You're not allowed to touch it. And that goes all the way to the Supreme Court in the case of Elliott v. Stash. <laughs> exactly. I can see like all the Congress folks like crossing the aisle, shaking hands, like, thank God we finally did something right for this country. And we forced Sam Elliott to keep his mustache. He did it. Finally. So Sam Elliott and his glorious mustache is like, you gotta be careful about that Krenzer guy. And Betty's like, why? And he's like, it's classified. Which is a weird way to protect your daughter. Super weird. I also like that both of these dads are like, hey, watch out for that person you were you're doinking and now you work with. Just two dads. Hey, this is Sam Elliott. <laughs> did you hear my friend Nick Nolte's science jokes? Sure did. There's some bangers there. It's a very similar impression. It's just a little less gruff. Yeah, the issue is you can hear the mustache flapping. Yeah, you can, there's like as I speak the wisps of of hair. If you listen closely enough, if you turn on your 3D audio, <laughs> you'll feel it tickling your neck. All right, so we have night science with Nick Nolte, and now we have Sam Elliott ASMR. I'm in. I'm totally in. <laughs> yeah, I've never been more in for anything. Like if <laughs> if Sam Elliott announced that he's like. Good news, everybody. I'm joining Headspace. I'm going to help you meditate for 10 minutes a day. <laughs> I'm going to be so distracted. I won't be getting any meditation in. It's just going to be none. listening to Sam Elliott and being like, nope, this is better than meditating. Right. It's, this is true mindfulness, and I appreciate it, and I'm here for it. Now I understand what this is supposed to feel like. So Bruce has a really terrible work-life balance. I can't believe you said that Sammy and Nikki were the same. One has killed people and will do it again, and the other has an awesome mustache. They're very different. One of them has killed people and will do it again. The other one is a general in the army, so... He's killed people for sure and will do it again. <laughs> now he orders people to do the kill. That's not the same. Yeah, well, We're I not mean, playing mafia rules in military. He didn't start a general, though. Well, no, but frankly, he probably got promoted because of the stash. Probably the stash. They were like, hey, you're not supposed to have that, but damn it, it looks good. You're promoted. Come on, Private. I'm going to throw some stars on you. <laughs> That's such a good stash. I forgot you're not allowed to have it. Do you want to run this bitch? <laughs> How many stars? You tell me when to stop. I'll listen. <laughs> what is this? The Parmesan cheese at Olive Garden? <laughs> That's right. <laughs> when you're here, it's still garbage food. <laughs> when you're here, you're military. <laughs> Unlimited breadsticks until we run out, which is often. I can't believe how many times I've been at, at Olive Garden and they've been like, no, we're out of breadsticks. Like, no shit. You do the unlimited. And people just feast on that. When they order just a salad, bud, right? they're playing you all day. Unlimited soup, salad, and breadsticks. That's just a recipe for disaster and bankruptcy. I don't want that in my neighborhood. Did I mention Bruce has a really terrible work-life balance? It's horrible. It's the worst. He almost died, but he's back at work. Yeah, he just showed right back up because he's feeling better than ever. Yeah, he's feeling great. I mean, the lab is trash, but he's still at work. And he's like, all right, I'm just sitting here at my desk and I'm getting real mad about my alleged father and Talbot and these random flashbacks and General Ross. And he spirals out of control and, and he, he transforms into the Hulk. He greens out, man. I love it. He does. He totally greens out. What do you think of the Hulk? I think it actually looks pretty good. I think it looks pretty good, too. There are times where it looks pretty bad, and then there's times where it looks like a toy. Yes. Like, just got set loose. Yes. But overall, it works. It's not terrible. It's not incredible either. 
So the Hulk goes and just destroys the entire lab. He's smashing all over the place. He ends up taking the gamma radiation generator ball thing and just throwing it into the parking lot because why not? After he holds it over his like back like Atlas. Like Atlas. Uh-huh. Mostly because Ang Lee said, hey, this thing is like a Greek tragedy. So let me just throw in all the things. Got to got to do the thing. Also, don't forget about the Agents of Atlas, which is is a Marvel thing. Has, it sure is. Has a different Hulk in it. So It sure does. When the Hulk notices David Banner, you know, the night janitor, watching his rampage, he goes over and he's like, hey, you, you're the guy that made me real mad, and I have new memories about you because you touched my face. <laughs> That's all it takes sometimes. And then he bounces away in confusion. He definitely bounces, yes. This oh, is the time. bouncing Hulk, this and is... we will get there. Because Bruce left his wallet at the lab after his little transformation, and General Ross has his special... And suspicions? Yeah. Whoa, what just happened? <laughs> yeah, I tried to say suspicions, but with too many P's. <laughs> well, I see where you went wrong. All right. It's just very suspicious <laughs> behavior. <laughs> uh, it's like a lisp, but with just P's. Just, <laughs> just sprinkle in some extra P's in every word I say, actually. I don't know if you noticed. Sprinkle. Yeah, so it's a, is that not what I said? My bad. My, my bad. <laughs> You're cured. It's a miracle. <laughs> So General Ross shows up at Bruce's place, and he's like, all right, you're on lockdown, because I don't like the cut of your jib. Because I found your wallet at the place where you work. (laughs) Oh, you're in big trouble now, buddy. You're totally authorized to be there. But you know what? Only Nick Nolte does night science. Not you, Bruce (laughs) Krenzler. Not you. Betty is trying to get to the bottom of all this, so she goes to see David, which is a bold move. It really is, especially when you see where he lives, because it's straight out of a Tim Burton movie. Yeah. Like, if you say Beetlejuice three times, I'm not going to say nothing happens, because <laughs> I'm not sure. I think you just end up at David's house. You might, because he opens the door, and he's got one of those, like, cage doors, <laughs> front doors, which- Always a good sign. Definitely, it's a yellow flag for sure, but it's more like orange, because it has some red hue to it. Yeah, it's like an amber flag. But she goes in. He has to clear off his couch because he has all the science on the couch. So much science. And he needs to brush off that science. And she sits down. He sits on a different chair like across from her. Which means there was already a clear chair for her to sit in. Exactly. And then he Nick Nolte's all over the screen. Oh, absolutely. When Betty tells him that she got her father involved, he's like, do you know what you've done? And then Yeah, I got my father involved. He gets real creepy and, and get close to her and he steals her scarf. It's very weird because he starts like complimenting her. He's like, You got very beautiful eyes. Yeah, real pretty eyes. Wish I could wear your eyes <laughs> around my neck so that my neck could see things too. It'd be like my high eyes and my low eyes, but your eyes are very beautiful. <laughs> hey, do you feel like leaving yet? I bet you do. You took off your scarf for no reason at all. Well, that's convenient. I'm going to keep that in my pocket and hope you forgot all about it. She didn't, because the camera clearly shows the, her she looks looking right at it. Yeah, and she's like, well, there goes one scarf I'll never see again. <laughs> that was my favorite scarf until you touched it. I like that she's still not sure if this is Bruce's father. He must have, like, taken down the whole shrine to Bruce he had on his wall. <laughs> he must have. But, I mean, this guy seems very emotionally distant. She's into that. So she's got to be like, you know, I kind of see the similarities you know, here. I'm, you I'm both night it. science often. Night science and no emotion. There might be something to this. She leaves. 
which is a good move on her part because she leaves because he tells her to leave after he's creepy and she doesn't leave. He goes, all right, get out of here. I'm done being creepy. I got creepy. some night science to do. That's the end of that confrontation. Well, she drives away and then he goes and brings the scarf to his dogs. Hey, hey smell this. Right. And he like throws her a fence like, all right, go get her. It's like, what was the point of telling her to leave? She was here. Why make your dogs work even harder? <laughs> well, I don't want her dying on my property because then the police would be like, oh, I found her wallet. I need you dogs to go hunt down that lady because I need to do a physics test with dogs and lakes <laughs> and how fast they get across it. <laughs> we'll get there. I have a whole math problem I got to work out. <laughs> It's a word problem, all right? You're going with a math problem. I'm going with an editing problem. Oh, yeah, no. We'll get there. (laughs) Ross is interrogating Bruce because he suspects that he's in cahoots with David, which makes sense. I mean, if you know that he's his son and he's in the same field of work and, you know, things are happening, stuff's exploding after- And they're both emotionally distant. And they're both emotionally distant. It all adds up. And Bruce is like, I don't know shit about this guy. I was told he was dead. And Ross is like, you were four years old. How can you forget something like that? And Bruce is like, forget what? (laughs) There's nothing to forget. Like, what am I supposed to remember at four years old? I love that. Like, Ross is like, you were so old. How could you not remember? You were four. You were halfway to cocaine age. (laughs) We threw you a half-rock quinceanera boy style. Don't you remember? You were four, Bruce. Don't look at my mustache. My eyes are up here. (laughs) Everybody remembers the first thing that happened to them when they were four. Just ask my daughter. I abandoned her and she never forgot about it. You have to remember what happened. I dare you to take my daughter out for ice cream and get her vanilla swirl and see what happens. I guarantee she has an emotional breakdown right there and starts saying fuck Ben and Jerry. Oh, not both of them. It's all right. I know how to get her to shut up. You just sit her on the table and start choking her. (laughs) That's right. (laughs) Betty drives to a cabin in the mountains. Is it her cabin? Is it a cabin? I have no idea. I don't know. They don't specify at all. They're just like, she's going to a cabin. And David calls up Bruce and he's like, hey, I know you're like being heavily watched right now by a bunch of army guys. But I just wanted to let you know that I passed on a genetic deformity to you. And also, I'm sending my dogs to see Betty. None of that should make any sense None of it at all. He should be like, he should not react to any of this. He should treat it like it's a your refrigerator running type You're a crazy person. Why are you saying all these random things to me? And then Talbot shows up, and he's real mad. And the army was just like, go on in, I guess. We're... We're watching this guy, and you have <laughs> nothing to do with this. As we're going to learn throughout this movie, is the people who watch the other people are terrible at Everybody's their Everybody's just the worst guard ever. So Talbot goes into Bruce's house and just starts beating him up because he thinks that he's going to lose some money because Bruce went directly to Ross with the science stuff. So, you know, it's, it's textbook assault in front of the military police. Are they MPs? I don't think they are. I think they're just there. They're just, they're just guys. You listen up. Your privates until you grow a sweet stash. And then you're a four star and you can give the orders. Hold these guns and stand outside the civilian's house and let anybody in who comes around. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like it's a lot like a Monty Python, the Holy Grail situation of guarding the Prince Herbert. Oh my God, yes. 
<laughs> you should go listen to Patreon <laughs> or our Body by the Milly Girl episode. But it's a lot like that situation of don't let anybody in. Should I let anybody in? Let everybody in. What are we doing? <laughs> All right. So he can come out, but nobody can go in. Got it. Nailed it. First try. So because Talbot's kicking the shit out of him, Bruce obviously hulks out and then throws him through the wall. But then he destroys like his own house. Yeah, that's an unfortunate side effect, I guess. Bob Vila here. <laughs> Have you hulked out in your own home and you want to do a complete makeover? How does Bob Vila take me by surprise every single time? I should always expect it, and I never do. What was that superhero show about like the cleanup of S.H.I.E.L.D. or whatever it was? Like that team. Oh, Damage Control? They should have gotten Bob Vila to lead Damage Control. Absolutely. And made like a whole HGTV thing out of it. I would watch all of the HGTV Marvel Studios content. Turns out that Bob Vila's been a scroll the whole time. You know what? It checks out. Oh, without a doubt, it does. <laughs> How many old houses are you finding, Bob? Yeah, something here doesn't add up. Not all houses are old. Some of them are new, Bob. I've seen what new houses. What are you doing in a new house? I know they exist. Now, you said that this is central what? <laughs> you mean the air comes out of there and it's either hot or... No. No. What's with the stove, then? The wood-burning stove in the corner. Decoration. Oh. <laughs> what are we doing? This is not how old houses are made. Wait a minute. What color are all these appliances? They look like metal. This is insane. This is Bob Vila here. I'm doing Bob Vila like a Billy Mays. <laughs> That's great. I'm okay with it. Bob Vila here. <laughs> but wait, there's more. Don't pour water on your refrigerated steel. Stainless steel. Oh. Really? What? Where did they make that technology? Where was I? These new houses. I'm only used to the old ones where appliances come in white and off-white. And they're also haunted all the time, probably. Bob Vila. Oh, Ghost God. Hunters. I didn't realize I needed that. I heard it when it came out. I want it so bad right now. It's just Bob Vila and Norm going around fixing up houses. But also they're haunted. Fixing up haunted houses, I would watch that way more than any kind of Marvel Studios HGTV crossover. Bob Vila here! We're at H.H. Holmes Murder Hotel here in Chicago. <laughs> this old haunted house. Oh, God. How has he never done that? Um, I don't know. It's, uh, it's almost October. I feel like somebody needs to send him a tip. He can't be on Twitter. That's a new thing. Someone write him a <laughs> physical letter and send it you to him. You mean this old Twitter? P.O. Box 963, New York City, New York State, 10108. Let me get out a pen and paper here for this old tweet. No one caught that. It's stick stickly. <laughs> Where you send shit to him. Of course. I wonder if you could still do that, tell you the truth. <laughs> I feel like stick stickly probably burnt up a long time ago. A long, long time ago. Or somebody started chewing on him. Because, you know, you can't, you can't not if you have a, a popsicle stick that long. Just sitting there. I want those googly eyes on my tongue. All right, you made it weird. around. You made it weird. I want those googly eyes on my tongue. Got some beautiful eyes, stick stickly. (laughs) (laughs) Give me your eyes, stick, because I know where you live. It's P.O. Box 963. (laughs) New York City, New York State, 10108. Could you imagine if Stick Stickly was actually in the P.O. Box? (laughs) 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 To this day, nobody realized that was his home address. (laughs) Exactly. Why do I need a full house of a stick? <laughs> Bob Vila here with this old P.O. box. <laughs> Once we finish Stick Stickleys, we're going to go to Men in Black 2, and we're going to go to the locker with all the little aliens. <laughs> oh, man. We've gone beyond full circle. I think that's 
done like four full loops at this point. It's exhausting, really. So the soldiers who are outside guarding Bruce's house, they start shooting at him. Poorly, poorly, yeah. Yeah, they start shooting at him, which just makes him angrier, which makes him bigger in this version. You know what? Fine. It's its own portrayal. I'm okay you with do it. You make your and own. That's rules. okay. It's allowed. It's a different universe. It's the movie verse. So he gets mad. He gets big, and then he bounces away to go save Betty. After he throws a couch through his neighbor's window. Yeah, well, I mean, which is just mean. <laughs> he's real mad. I don't know if that if that helps. That's a good point, actually. At the mountain cabin, Betty finds the Hulk hiding behind a tree. <laughs> She's like, she hears something outside, so she goes out with a flashlight, and what is that big green thing moving over there? And she shines a flashlight, and she sees him, like, hiding behind a trail sheepishly. (laughs) Which makes me wonder, is he still mad? Why is he still so big? I don't know, but I love how she's like, oh, Bruce, like, right away. Not freaking out at all. Then he's standing next to her, and she's not even, like, up to his waistline. Yeah, well, he's very angry. He is still very angry, (laughs) but he's like 20 feet tall. It's ridiculous. Pretty crazy. The Hulk should be like no taller than like eight feet tall. Well, it depends. I mean, your own. Well, certainly not 20 feet tall. How about that? Your own rules, right? He gets mad. He gets bigger. You're absolutely right. And bullets didn't harm him. So surely nothing else will. Exactly. They they just make him bigger. Especially in the near future. No. I mean, what could possibly? So these giant deformed dogs show up. (laughs) Across the lake. They're standing there like a goddamn Harry Potter Patronus, just across this lake, (laughs) staring with their green eyes. And Bruce Hulkman is just like throwing Betty into the car. That's there. Closing the door. And then the dogs are just on the other side of the lake. Like they cross this lake in no time at all. Oh, you didn't know? What? Teleporting dogs. Very hard to defeat. I feel like this would be like the most fucked up, like Purina dog chow ad ever. <laughs> yes. Of like these just mutant dogs just standing across the lake and then just over the lake. Is your dog eating Purina? <laughs> he's not jumping lakes if he's not. <laughs> if he's eating that blue buffalo bullshit, <laughs> he's going to have to swim. I miss when brands used to call each other out like that. <laughs> It's been a long, long time. Ever since Coke and Pepsi started getting along. I was just going to say, fuck Pepsi. Brought to you by Coca-Cola. This is Nick Nolte with Pepsi, <laughs> but not really. I'm secretly working with Coca-Cola. Pepsi touches children. And also, OJ did it because he drank Pepsi. <laughs> Have a Coke today. See, that's a solid endorsement. Uh, this is Sam Elliott. <laughs> I heard a crazy man with a wild mugshot, go Google it, was talking bad about Pepsi brands. Speaking of that haircut, uh, he, it was, <laughs> it's because he was growing his hair for this movie. You're kidding me. he got the DUI. There's was, a correlation? Yeah. Oh, God. Go Google the image of Nick Nolte's mugshot. You probably don't have to. You've or probably just seen it everywhere. Imagine Nick Nolte. Yeah, that's the one. Nailed it. First try again. <laughs> His mugshot is like the thing of legend. It's like what built the modern internet was his yeah. mugshot leaking to the Absolutely. world. Absolutely. To this day, if somebody says Nick Nolte, that's the first image I think of. Like, I can't well, without even, a doubt it I is. I can't picture him not in, in that picture. Just you say Nick Nolte and that's it. I don't even think, oh, this guy with the beard from, from Hulk. Nope. It's the mugshot. <laughs> nope. It's a mugshot. 
So these puddle jumping dogs, they really want to kill Betty, especially the giant poodle. The giant poodle wants to destroy Betty. <laughs> the giant poodle's trying to jump like through the car to get to Betty. So the Hulk has to fight the dogs. <laughs> For a long, long, For a long, long, long time. time. And you know that rule in movies, you can't kill the dog. Well, Ang Lee's going to kill all three dogs. Throw it out the window. Uh, it's gone. That rule is now gone. The Hulk literally tears them apart one by one, and they explode into clouds of green smoke. And it's kind of amazing? Yeah. But in the process, they totally tear off all of his clothes during the fight for reasons. He gets a real naked. Super naked. And I have to imagine that Brody Bruce Mallrats is sitting here going like, show the donger. I gotta know. I need some answers. It has to be proportional to the rest of the Hulk getting big, right? It has to be. It has to. Dave, I have something new that I found in my travels for this episode. Very weird that you're bringing this up after I brought up Hulk donger. Yeah. Well, it, it fits. It's the right spot. jeez. Oh, <laughs> All right. I found a website called Cringe MDB. I am very intrigued. Basically, the premise of this website is, can I watch this movie with my parents? <laughs> okay. And they give scores for three categories, sex scene, nudity, and sexual violence. I like how they separate those in yeah. a weird way. So like this movie only has one of the three, nudity. Okay. But it's still certified cringeworthy with a 57.1% audience cringe score. You get some sweet Eric Bana buns. My favorite part of this website, though, is that they give you safe movie alternatives. Well, that just has to be like any movie where you don't see buns, right? I, uh, I mean, I guess, but it's apparently specifically tailored for the movie that you're on the page for. <laughs> so be like Munich. It's, it's better. Troy. It's better. It's... Green Lantern is a safe movie alternative, which makes sense. Okay. Um, the 2012 movie Battleship, based on the board game. That's out of left field. Got it. Uh, Rango. <laughs> okay. The Smurfs. And 2011's Zookeeper, starring Kevin James, Rosario Dawson, Leslie Bibb, Ken Jeong, Donnie Wahlberg, and Joe Rogan, which, oh my God, what a cast. What a weird cast. Yeah, it makes no sense. What are they doing just throwing out names of movies? They're like, Smurfs, they're blue. That's kind of green. That's like green. Nailed it. I don't know, but this I, I'm fascinated by this website. Wow. I'll be keeping an eye on it. Yes, please. <laughs> so now you have a Cinema Cats watch and a Cringe MDB watch. Just got to keep checking my bookmarks. Fantastic. <laughs> Exhausted and naked. The Hulk transforms back into Bruce right in front of Betty, well, in front of the lake, and then goes over to Betty, and he's still real mad about the dogs, so he chokes Betty about it. Which is insane, because it's just a naked Eric Bana choking Jennifer Conley. Yeah, and it's weird, even weirder, because earlier in the movie, he said, oh, that's a weird dream. I would never do that to you. And then, and he, then does he did it, because of foreshadowing. So she puts him to bed, and she's like, I gotta call my dad. This is scary. So she, she does. She calls him while he's asleep, and she's like, you got to come get this crazy guy. Her dad, who she does not get along with, says, Dad, I'm frightened. And then Dad's like, I'm going to send the military. <laughs> not me personally, just the military. Right, because we all know how good they have been at guarding Bruce <laughs> so far. The next morning, the army arrives, and they sedate Bruce. Rich, real easy. He steps outside, and they just 
bam, dart right in the leg, and he doesn't hulk As out As they should, nothing. though. It makes sense, and it works in the story. It It's perfect yeah. in my mind, actually. Yeah, Betty's worried because his transformation is triggered by emotional wounds and not necessarily physical ones, and then he's going to be incapable of controlling it until he faces those demons. That sounds like some armchair psychiatry, if I've ever heard it. Well, she's not a psychiatrist, so. She's just a regular old scientist. She's a regular scientist. Oh, what, what kind of scientist are you? Science. It's in the name. You know. Uh, How are you not getting this? Micro something or others? You know, Come on. Night science. No, she's a day science. That's right. She's day science. She could be anything. Ross has Bruce and Betty taken back to the giant underground Dr. Evil style New Mexico base where David and Ross were working in the opening scenes of the movie six hours ago. I really like the way this is all shot. It's really cool, but it does feel exactly like the layer from Austin Powers. Oh, without a doubt. And there's so much we're leaving out about the way that this movie's shot just because story-wise it's really hard to talk about. Yeah. Because this movie doesn't look like anything you've ever seen right for the most part i mean even when they transition from scene to scene they're doing like these artistic like look a lizard like what's going on here and then a lot of the time there are comic book panels on the screen yes and you're moving along with them so the the panels will get bigger they'll get smaller as they become less important they'll disappear other panels will fill the space it's really cool it is extremely cool the way it's done and it was a bitch to shoot apparently <laughs> Eric Bana hated it. He complained about not being in the movie enough because when he's the Hulk, it's all CGI. You have the actors acting against nothing right. to the Hulk. So he complained about not getting enough screen time. Then he complained about having to do multiple takes of multiple things because of different angles because of the comic book way it's shot. Yeah. So Eric Bana, there's a reason why you're not working anymore. <laughs> I'm mad because I'm not in the movie very much, but I'm also mad because I had to film too much. Pick a lane, bro. Come on. You can't have it both ways. I can't. I'm Eric Bana. I'm going to be a star. My mom told me. <laughs> I shouldn't say that. Munich's a very good movie. I don't think I've ever seen Munich. And Troy is not bad. That's true. As I've said, one of the best film scores of all time in my book. It's very good. We'll talk about scores later. We, we'll get of there. Of the musical variety. Betty pleads with her father to let her try to help Bruce. She's like, Hey, look, I know Bruce better than anybody. You guys could do all the experimentation you want on him because the whole reason he's still alive is because you think he's some sort of weapon. But, like, while you're doing that, let me, like, try to figure his shit out. This is where I start to really, really appreciate Sam Elliott and General Ross. Yes. He is so complicated he is. in this movie. Absolutely. It is so well done. Sam Elliott, I always think of, like, as a really cool actor. Great voice, great vibe that yes. he has going on, on screen. He is so layered here. Yeah. And it's he's, actually like a master stroke the way he pulls this off. He is selling it. He, like He's the, the big, tough military guy, but he's also like this loving, caring father, even though they don't speak. There's so many different levels to this relationship. and There are, and he recognizes Bruce as being a human being, right, too. Right, Which is wild to me. And he's grateful for him rescuing his daughter. So he's like, I don't want anything to happen to this guy because, you know, I, I owe him one, but. But he's a weapon. You're my daughter. He's a human. Uh, let's figure this out together. I have a mustache. It's a very nuanced performance. While all this is happening, David is subjecting himself to his own gamma radiation experiments, doing night science. And as a result, he turns himself into the absorbing man. He huffed science. <laughs> he did. He put a tube of science into his mouth and stood in between all the gamma things, and he stuffed science. All right, this you is do what, you, man. This is what we're doing now. 
I have to imagine, like, if you went to, like, a, a college campus, like Berkeley, like in this thing. Yeah. All the kids there just doing, like, whippets. And he's like, you kids want to go huff science with me? <laughs> you guys trying to get a hit of this here gamma radiation? <laughs> <laughs> we'll go under the bleachers. I'll hook you kids up. <laughs> Look, it didn't kill my kid, so. He lived a fairly normal life. He's emotionally distant. Yeah, but did you see who he was doinking? <laughs> Yeah, he turns into this giant green rage monster, but, like, that's not important. She's the spokesperson for 1-800-DENTIST.COM. How do you not want to be that? It's true. It's what we all aspire to be one day. (laughs) (laughs) So now David Banner has this power where when he touches stuff, he becomes said stuff. Yeah, it's something. And he smashes a security guard with a big old piece of technology. Yeah. (laughs) I like the security guard like approached him and he notices that his like foot is becoming the grate that it's standing on and his yeah. hands becoming like the girder that he's holding. And the security guard's like, I, do I, I, should I pull my gun? Does it matter? At like, this point, I think I'm already dead. I think I'm outnumbered here. You're Nick Nolte. You already have a mugshot. What's the point? <laughs> You're getting that Busey look in your eyes right now. <laughs> it's real squirrely. <laughs> I don't like it. <laughs> I'll just lay down. Oh, can I do that? Is that an option? No. Nope. I'm going to send you flying in the air and then smash you. Back at the military base, Betty and Bruce are walking around the grounds in an attempt to like figure out why Bruce is the way that he is. Try to trigger that four-year-old memory. But I love how they're like walking along, they're having this walk and talk, and then the military is like off to the side with like their tanks and yes. their guns and everything, giving them their space. But, you know, just making sure no funny business happens. Well, I don't even know if that's the case, and we'll get there. Okay. This military likes giving people their space when they probably shouldn't. (laughs) That's fair. We'll get there. They go to Bruce's house, and he remembers some things here and there, but before he makes any real breakthrough... He remembers that it's his house. He's like, this is my house. I'm emotionally distant, but this is me emoting that this is my old house. This old house! (laughs) Something definitely happened here. Don't open that door! Why can't I open the door? What's behind that door? Nothing. Oh, God. Ugh. So dramatic. It's super There's dramatic. actually nothing behind the door. Yeah, it is an empty room. It also turns out that Ross's superiors are placing uh, Bruce in Talbot's care, so immediately they're like, hey, you, back here. We're going to do stuff to you. He doesn't want to put him in Talbot's care. He's like, yeah, they offered a lot of money, and now he's going to be pretty much privatized. Right. That kind of sucks. Yeah, and Talbot's like, hey, we can figure out what makes Bruce the Hulk, and and get that power for the military. So the military is like, oh, well, fuck Ross. Let's go with this Talbot guy. Hey, Josh Lucas. Uh, God, I feel like whenever I say Josh Lucas, I'm eating a whole bunch of member berries. (laughs) I haven't heard that name in so damn long. And I had to look up his name. I was like, you look familiar. What are you from? (laughs) What are you from? It's been years. Oh, I remember Josh Lucas. I remember Eric Banner. (laughs) Uh, I remember. So Ross is like, it's all out of my hands. You need to get out of here, Betty. So she does. She leaves. And she does. I actually like how she's just like, this doesn't sound like a good situation for me, and my survival instincts are kicking in. Hey, I want to continue today science, so I'm going to get out of here. <laughs> Talbot goes to visit Bruce, and he's just taunting him, and, and he's, he's zapping him with his little taser stick. While he's like got his arm in a sling and his knee in a brace. Yeah, like, all right. Like, he's a mess. He can't even walk, and he's taunting Bruce, he's like, you got to get the green guy to come out. I need to get that science. We're doing underground science. What does he think is going to happen when the Hulk shows up? I don't know. He even says, he's like, 
the only thing standing between you and freedom is me. I'm your only plaything in this room. And as like, just even as a, a human being, I'm going like, well, I'm going to beat this shit out of you and you alone. Right. Because you're clearly already injured. And I'm a science boy who probably can't fight, but I feel like I have an advantage right now. Yeah. Like if I just try, I think I have good odds. I'm going to make night science all over your fucking face, Joss Lucas. <laughs> So Talbot knocks him out with the, with the taser stick because Bruce is like, I'm not going to give you the satisfaction of me being the Hulk and killing you. So they, they knock him out. They put him in an isolation tank. And then Talbot and company start performing tests on him. Naturally, this triggers the full memory from Bruce's childhood. I mean, it has to because we're in the third act and something needs to happen. Exactly. Yeah. And this is the memory, of course, where his father, knowing the monster he created, tries to murder his four-year-old son and in the process accidentally kills his wife. Right, we've all seen knives slip just a little bit in a convenient way to cause emotional trauma. <laughs> yeah, uh, that's going to make you hulk out every time. Every single time. And you want to know what I really appreciate about this and like this sensory deprivation tank that he's floating in? Yeah. I really like the way it breaks because he's hulking out, he's getting all big. You see the water kind of dispersing. Yeah. How you have this displacement happening and it just kind of breaks. Yeah. Like it doesn't explode or anything like that. It feels realistic. Right, like there's a pressure point, and then it just, it, the water flows out, and you're like, yeah, that's probably how that would actually happen. But I like how Josh Luke is also going like, you got to drill into him, we got to get those enzymes out, and they're like, well, the drill's not going, and he's like, well, drill harder. It's like, what does that even mean? I don't think that's that's how it works. This isn't like an Armageddon situation where you're going into an asteroid. <laughs> we need the second drill team. Now, how cool would it have been if Josh Lucas got Harry Stamper? to do this he goes like out to an oil ring he's like i gotta drill into a big green man you in <laughs> um almost as cool if as if steve buscemi actually got the job as bruce banner was he up for it oh yeah he was no we missed out on a great opportunity yeah i mean the list it was um billy crudup turned it down as he should all the time because he shouldn't be he in sh movies hard stop because he shouldn't act uh ed norton turned it down because he didn't like the script that's actually interesting. And we for know how that all turned out. All the future out. reasons. Yeah. Yep. Um, they wanted Tom Cruise, Johnny Depp, Jeff Goldblum when this is an early development. Goldblum would have been fantastic. Uh, 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 um, <laughs> the Hulk finds a way. <laughs> uh, Hulk smash. Oh, God, Betty. Uh, I'm hulking out so hard right now. <laughs> Let me just unbutton my shirt. I've never hulked out more. <laughs> Betty, let me see your hand. Oh, it looks like chaos, and it looks sexy. Let me just get this shirt off. <laughs> oh, okay. Betty, I am full Hulk right now. What do you have to say to that? <laughs> yeah, Goldblum would have been phenomenal. But then I guess it came down to, like, Eric Bana, David Duchovny, and Steve Buscemi. To quote Jeff Goldblum, that's a big pile of shit. <laughs> I feel like Duchovny would have done fine. Bana did fine, but... Buscemi would have been a different movie. <laughs> it would have been a very different movie. It would have been so weird because Jennifer Conley, the spokesperson for 100dentist.com, <laughs> going up against Steve Buscemi, it's like, Steve, close your mouth. This is embarrassing. This, we can't do this. They're going to take away my endorsement. Actually, Stop you know it. what? Close the eyes, too. It would change from the bouncing Hulk to the bug-eyed Hulk. So the Hulk starts wreaking havoc on this whole army base, and they try to stop him with foam. They spray him with foam. It gets all hard, and he's stopped. And then Josh Lucas comes up with, like, a corkscrew device, and he's going to, like, do an ice pick lobotomy right, the to get... The drill didn't work, but he's going to go with this method. 
I don't know what that's all about. And of course it's not going to work out. And I love how goofy Josh Lucas is. Yeah. Because he tries to like throw a grenade at the Hulk. He's like, oh, sayonara, big guy. And it just bounces off of him. And it lands behind Josh Lucas and explodes. And we get like a freeze frame of Josh Lucas exploding. And it's wonderful. It's so good and feels so out of place, but also so comic booky. I love it so much. It's we'll get phenomenal. there. There's so much I want to talk about after this movie. It's so good. So to prevent any casualties, Ross makes the call to free the Hulk, who is now angrier and bigger than ever. And they're going to just, we're going to get him outside. <laughs> That's probably the right move. Yeah. I mean, inside there, it's nothing's going right. And now it's time to get bouncy. If you've ever seen a Super Bowl before, it's got nothing on the Hulk. <laughs> He's bouncing all over the place. He stops his childhood home, and he remembers his father being carried away by the police. And then the army start dropping bombs on him. Which just makes him bounce harder. Really? Yeah, he's like, all right, I'm going to bounce away some more then. Then he gets into a fight with some tanks. I love how he goes against these tanks because he's never killing. We right. never see him kill. He's like turning over the tank and dumping people like out dumping of it. People then out. throwing the tanks and whatnot, which is a great move. Tossing around like they're toys. It's amazing. It really is amazing. But then he's like, all right, I've defeated tanks. So he bounces away again. When we say bouncing, we should say he's just jumping yep. really Really comically far. And I'm not saying comically like this is a comic book movie. <laughs> I'm saying it, it's hilarious. Laughably far. If this were a Tucker Max book, hilarity ensues every single time he jumps. It's never not funny. He's the big green boy with his purple shorts. Ross and his forces follow the Hulk on his bouncy tour of the southwestern United States. They come at him with some helicopters, but he's still the Hulk. Um, they try to bury him by shooting down some rock formations. But he gets out of that, too, and he's like, I'm headed to San Francisco. Well, it's mostly because he's still the Hulk. Because he's still the Hulk. He jumps in the back of a fighter jet, and they bring him all the way up into the sky until he passes out. And he oh, starts... you said the sky. Yeah, well, like the outer uh, atmosphere. Because it's space. It's... They bring him to fucking space. Yeah, yeah. They... And I like how the guy in the jet, the well, some people call it a pilot. I call it a guy in a jet. Guy in he's the jet. He's flying. <laughs> there and he's like i don't think i could do this and general ross is like well you fucking better you he's gonna pass out before you do he's like i don't think that's the case this is a monster i'm a human being how could how you do know you that happening he'll definitely pass out before you do maybe he breathes in space we don't know anything about we this don't guy. know we didn't night science him but he does start falling free falling back to the earth and uh he has a dream where he's Bruce Banner, just shaving in the mirror, and it's all fucked up. And when he wipes it away, it's the Hulk on the other side, and he reaches through the mirror, and he grabs him by the neck, and he's like, puny human. I loved it. So good. So good. And then he lands in the Pacific. As you do. <laughs> then he emerges from the Pacific, and he proceeds to wreak havoc on San Francisco. Oh, hold on a second here. You're saying you just emerge from the Pacific. Don't you dare leave out Mole Hulk. <laughs> because he's cruising through the streets of San Francisco and the ground above him is crumpling. It's so good. Because he's a mole. Yeah. And like the trolley's getting thrown out. People are getting thrown out of the windows of the trolley because of Mole Hulk. And it's San Francisco, so all these cars are like rolling down hills. It's it's wonderful. It really is wonderful. And he pops out and he's just like, no biggie. I'm all the right. Hulk. I'm going to tear some shit up. And then they were like, send in Betty. She'll calm him down. Betty said send in Betty. That's right. Because I'll calm him down. And I like how General Ross is like, you know what? We're running out of missiles and bullets here. We we're all going to as well sacrifice anyway. my daughter. 
Remember how nuanced I was earlier? He still is, though. He and is. it's wild. He is. He, he understands, though, that this is their, their like, last shot at this. Oh, it's over after this. This is it. So, if this doesn't work, we're going to have to, I don't know, get him some chamomile and lavender. <laughs> put him put on some Cat Stevens. And just hope for the best. Butterflies and bunnies and hope he just gets happy. <laughs> That's right. What is Hulk's happy place? Oh, God, I'm curious about that. Like, if this was like a happy Gilmore Hulk wanted to make that putt situation, what would he see? <laughs> So Betty shows up in a helicopter, and he's like, I'm going to smash that helicopter. Wait a minute. Betty's on it. I doinked her. <laughs> I think. <laughs> so Betty gets off the helicopter, and he walks up to her, and then he, he slowly turns back into Eric Bana, which is just the saddest transformation you can make as a human being. <laughs> it's true. Eric Bana doesn't want to turn into Eric Bana most days. <laughs> and here it is, the Hulk turning into that. So while the Hulk was getting his bounce on this whole time, David showed up at Betty's house and was like, hey, I will turn myself in if you can get your dad to like let me have a sit down with my son. And she was like, all right, I'll let him know. And Ross is like, let's do it. Nothing bad could happen here. <laughs> Lots of things bad could happen here. <laughs> so now that he has both of them in custody, he's like, let's just bring him to this abandoned warehouse where I've rigged up this giant electrical thing. And if there's any funny business... We're going to zap them to death because so far we know exactly what kills these guys. It's true, but I also love how you have General Ross overlooking the situation of the Banna who has just banned down. Yes. To Banna size. And he's hugging Betty. And General Ross is very conflicted. Oh, yeah. He does not know what to do at all. He's just like, okay, we fixed the situation, but that guy's really, really dangerous. Yeah. But my daughter loves him, but also he's a pretty good guy. What do we do? Yeah. What, what do, this is a tricky situation. Mustache, tell me what I do. <laughs> uh, listen here, Sammy. What you have to do is you have to put them in the same room together with the daddy man. <laughs> All right. I mean, if that's, that's what you think, take. mustache, I'll do it. And then get me a real good sarsaparilla. <laughs> <laughs> mustache likes sarsaparilla. I like sarsaparilla. I, I, <laughs> I don't have a mustache. I need to get a mustache. Yeah. You ever had a sarsaparilla? Of course. I got over here in Connecticut, Central Connecticut here. We got Avery's. Mm. Fine sodas. They're great. They make a sarsaparilla. Tastes like Necco wafers. Ooh, those are gross. <laughs> they're not. You're out of your fucking mind. Uh, they're fine. This is Nick Nolte for Necco. This seems like the only appropriate time for Nick Nolte to talk about a candy. That's real questionable. You know how your first grade teacher used to make you clean off the chalkboard? Well, we put that into candy form. <laughs> Go ahead. Lick it. Fuck Smarties. Well, there. This is Sam Elliott with Paz. <laughs> I just want to mention I'm so happy we weren't involved in this conversation of our compressed sugar candy. <laughs> they wanted to make a Paz of me, and it just turned out to be a mustache. <laughs> I have a face. I wish people would remember it. <laughs> but go ahead, pull my mustache up, eat that delicious candy. As long as you're not eating that chalkboard residue <laughs> called Necco. And also, fuck Smarties. <laughs> Josh Lucas here for Circus Peanuts. I'll see myself out. <laughs> <laughs> oh, hey there. 
This is Bruce Springsteen. <laughs> no, it's too soon. I heard soon. there's a Bruce in this movie, so I wanted to make sure I got in on this action. Oh, were you dropping a new single, Bruce? <laughs> I want to talk to you guys about Smarties. <laughs> it's the asshole, the candy worm, for a good reason. Because <laughs> when you eat it, you're like, this thing should taste like flavors, but it doesn't. And that's your fucking problem, bub. We treat Smarties a lot like Fruit Loops. They should taste different, but they don't. But you're the idiot. Tell me how much you like the pink Smarties. I dare you to, because they taste the same as the blue, you moron. Also, they're barely pink and blue. They're all... <laughs> That's... These are real light hues. Shades of off-white. If Bob Vila were here, he would really like painting a living room with these colors. Mostly because these colors are bullshit, and they're nothing. We just decided sugar. Put in your fucking face. Bob Vila here for wax coke bottles. <laughs> That's a bullshit candy. And you know it, Bob. You know it. Fuck wax Pepsi bottles. <laughs> oh my god, Bob, hard take. Uh so the banners are face to face. So the banners, right. Dave David and Bruce. They're in this warehouse in front of the giant electric chairs. Which is just insane. It's insane because you have David walk up to this chair. Bruce already strapped into it. And nobody's around. And we know nobody's around because the camera that we see, the camera angle from Betty's POV, yeah, it's like 200 feet away. What are they doing? Too much room. You're right. They're giving them way too much room. Both of them are like, man, I should have killed you. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you probably should have. I should have killed you too. Ha <laughs> dad. And then David's like, all right, Bruce, I have power too. But I'm unstable, so I need your power. And you got to give it to me, because I'm your dad. And he stands up, the, the Nick Nolte, and he starts just monologuing. He sure does. To this empty room. And you're like, Nick Nolte, you are out of your fucking mind, and I love it. <laughs> it's fantastic. And Eric Bannon is just sitting in this chair pretending to cry. <laughs> it's not going well. <laughs> and the whole time, Nick Nolte is just making fun of him for crying. He says, like, yeah, you cry, boy, you cry. And he goes around and he puts his arm around him. And Eric Bannon's like, get off of me, I'm acting! And <laughs> Nick Nolte's like, ah, you cry, baby. But then he goes and he says, I'm going to need that power. Right. I'm going to need you to Hulk out. And Bruce is like, no. And then he's like, well, fine, let's join forces then. Because, you know, that makes sense. And Bruce is still like, no. So Nick Nolte goes over and he says, fine, I'm going to force your hand. And he takes an electrical wire. He <laughs> bites off the covering in one single yep. bite. And Ross is like, we got to activate this now. And he bites into this wire and he gets electrified with every bit of electricity available. All of it. And the cool thing about him having these new absorbing powers is he's just becoming a living electricity now. It's awesome. It's so cool. And Bruce is like, oh, shit, I better hulk out because I'm going to die from the electricity. What's fucked up about Bruce hulking out is like, imagine you want to get angry about something. Okay. Think about what you want to do. It's not like a whole like, oh, think about baseball. I need to keep the donger down just a little bit longer to make this last. <laughs> you got to really think about things that make you mad. Bruce cannot think about dead puppies. Right. Because of what he's done in this movie of murdering Hulk puppies. He did that. So what is he possibly thinking about to get him this upset while his dad's there biting on an electrical wire, getting all sorts of power? He's like, I don't know what makes me mad anymore. Well, no, that's his secret, Dave. 
He's always mad. That can't be true. I feel like if he waited like 10 years, he'd be sitting there going like, that finale I lost. <laughs> Son of a bitch! Oh, that last season of Game of Thrones. Oh, he'd Hulk out in a second. So now we got a Hulk and a guy who's just electricity. So they do a super bounce through the sky. It's not even a super bounce. It's a strobe super bounce. Yeah. Because is... you have the Hulk who is like, Caught within the strobe light going through the sky, it looks unbelievable. It's so cool. And the way it flashes on screen, it feels like comic book panels. Oh, God. This whole movie feels like comic book. We'll get there. Yes. But, oh, my God, is it good. They eventually land at this secluded lake where David becomes a rock man and then naturally a giant water man. Of course. And I like how quickly you have the random military guys like, oh, we got him. We they're found this lake. It's because they're they're drawing so much energy that they turned into ice. And we can track ice with our military. We're <laughs> very computers. good at tracking ice. Can't track liquid water, but once it gets solid, <laughs> we got you, bub. So finally David's like, I'm good at absorbing things. Why don't I just absorb Bruce's powers? And he starts absorbing the Hulk's power. And the Hulk is like, fine, take <laughs> it all. I got so much of it just it's yours, Dad. Take it all. Uh, the problem is that uh, it's too much for David uh, to contain. And as he's like, "Hey, no, take some of this back. I don't. I don't want all this. All this power. This is. This is too much, son." Ross is like, "All right, fire off the nukes. It's our. It's our only shot left." Yeah, but you have all this power that's like a bubble above a them now. Bubble it's an of power. actual physical bubble of power. Yeah, and then a nuke hits it, and there's a big old green mushroom cloud. And then Bruce is just floating there in the water with his eyes open, just staring up, going like, still wearing purple shorts. Huh. Yep. That's, all right. These aren't convenient. in style at all. Military grade stretchy pants. Hooey. <laughs> 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 I took it as it was it was his body floating there, but as we'll we'll find out maybe later in the movie, maybe <laughs> uh, we cut to one year later, and we know that because Comic Sans told us so. Sure did. It was like one as it floated across year the screen later. Betty answers the phone. It's her dad. He's like, "Hey, we know that Bruce couldn't have survived that that explosion, but uh, you know, if he did, you'd let me know, right?" And she's like, "No, I wouldn't." And he's like, "Yeah, that, that's my bad." But I like this conversation too because yeah. they're so happy to hear from each other. Clearly, their relationship is on the rebound a yeah. little bit. A if little nothing bit. Else. He still has all of her stuff bugged. Yeah, well, she knows that too. She says like, "Oh, you have my phone bugged, my answer machine bugged, everything's bugged." Yeah, she's like, "Even but if she I says like, no, I wouldn't tell you." And even if like, I wanted yeah, to, I wouldn't need. I to. know, I know. <laughs> he's like, "My bad, I'm sorry." Which she's is like, nice. I, I really like that. Yeah. And then we cut to South America in the in the rainforest. And there's this American doctor providing inoculation shots to the needy. No, it's not even inoculation. It's just medicine. We're giving medicine to these these people who need what it. What kind of medicine is it? Shut up. I'm a scientist. It's the medicine type, you dickweed. Just like I'm a Back scientist. Back off. God. Doing day science. And these mercenaries show up, and they're like attacking the camp and trying to confiscate all of the medicine. They're like, we need this medicine. You're giving this medicine to our enemies. And this doctor... It turns out that it's just Eric Bannon with a beard. And, and like, a straw hat, and it's to make you terrified. That's right, straw hats. We know what those mean. Butch Cassidy, or kicking His ass. ass is about to be kicked. And he's like, you're making me angry. You wouldn't like me when I'm angry. But he doesn't say it in English, because then everybody would be like, that's the line. And for some reason, Hulk movies are just like, we can't actually use the line. But I think it is the perfect line to go out on, because that is the Hulk. 
from 2003, directed by the Ang fucking Lee. Absolutely. Brian, I think I love this movie. I think it's pretty good. There's a lot we couldn't talk about because it's visual, and this movie is a lot of show, don't tell, until it's a lot of tell, and only tell, and tell a lot. Just so much telling. This is easily the best Hulk movie. Well, I mean, there's how many to compare it to? One other one. One, and it crushed it. <laughs> it, uh, it Hulk smashed it. I think that this is actually a hidden gem in a lot of ways. Yeah, I think this thing was way ahead of its time and wasn't a 2003 audience wasn't ready for this kind of movie. But now that we're so inundated with these superhero movies and they're breaking format, this thing is just a breath of fresh air uh, in the Marvel universe for sure. It really is, and this movie gets compared a lot as I was reading in different reviews to a Guardians of the Galaxy type feel to really? it. Where it's a little more experimental the yeah. way they're going, where it's definitely a break in format or even like a Thor Ragnarok. Right. That it doesn't really fit the mold because this thing comes out after Spider Man. That's right. how I got Danny Elfman on board because he did Spider Man just the year before. Exactly. But it definitely doesn't have its own mold to it. Right. And Ang Lee came in and he saw the script. He hated it. They rewrote it all. They rewrote it so many times. There's so many rewrites of this thing. But he wanted to do it his own way. The way he saw it is that this movie's not about the Hulk. It's about Bruce. Right. And that's where he leaned in a lot of the time. Uh, I mean, if you look at the MCU, The Incredible Hulk, it's a mess. It's a mess we should probably revisit. We will. At some point. At some point. But it's an absolute mess because who is it actually about? That's a really good question. This movie doesn't have a doubt about who it's about. This is a Bruce story that happens to have a Hulk involved with it. But he also gives a reason for having a Hulk involved in it because there is a lot of childhood trauma. Exactly. And the whole reason why Bruce can't really come to terms with why he's turning big and green is because he has this repressed memory of his mom being killed. Like they built in this whole backstory, which is so wonderfully done and so wonderfully teased this entire time. It really blew me away tell you the truth it make yeah, yeah it makes a lot more sense backstory wise and um i know with the 2008 incredible hulk they were trying to do like a soft reboot so like parts of this were still supposed to apply to that character but i'm like you can't just assume people that are gonna be like oh yeah like like back when he was eric banna before he was mark ruffalo it's very confusing and i it's understand very, the character yeah. changes happened throughout i i get it i just think that this hulk this character of Bruce Banner is so well done that it kind of completely overshadows Ed Norton. And I feel like it actually overshadows Mark Ruffalo a lot of the time. And I feel like that the script itself and Eric Banner's acting and portrayal is what kind of gives that a little bit of weight. How I'm happy they said that he's very emotionally distant. Yes. Because Eric Banner, I don't personally think he's a terrific actor. Agreed. Your Bruce Banner should be kind of an everyman. Right. But at he the same time, stand out he's supposed to be this genius scientist at the same time. And this Bruce Banner is. Yeah. We see him science all over the place, man. We barely see him science. We see his dad science a lot. His but we dad barely science see. is so hard. We see him science one time at the beginning when he realized the nanobed blows up work. a frog. <laughs> yeah. I mean, that happens sometimes. Frogs are going to be casualties <laughs> of day science. We know that. That's fair. I just think that this portrayal is just head and shoulders above anything we've seen in the MCU. And it's because of the depth that was there and the care that was there. The Hulk in the MCU is a bit of an afterthought. 
Obviously, this is not because it's his own movie. Right. I really love what Ang Lee did. Yeah, I agree. I think Ang Lee did an excellent job. I'm not about to say that the Hulk and the MCU is an, is an afterthought, but I really like this movie and I like what Ang Lee did with the Hulk the and the MCU feels like just he's cameos. That's all it feels like because he well, pops yeah. up in places that's just fun to have him and convenient to have him. Like in Ragnarok, it's just kind of cool to see him pop up in the gladiatorial arena. It's like, oh, I work with him. That's awesome because it's a character <laughs> that you know from World War Hulk. Right. But then he pops up all the time in just the most random places. The Avengers movies? Exactly. Where he's part of the Avengers, where he's part of the team. That's right. so random. Exactly. It's the most random. <laughs> it just doesn't feel right and appropriate. But Mark Ruffalo is such a good actor that it really works well with the Avengers movies. Yeah. Eric Bana's not a good actor, in my mind. I, I agree. But Ang Lee is that good of a director that exactly. it does not matter. Right. It, it comes down to directing and a little bit writing. A lot of bit writing. They really <laughs> used the writing as a crutch here to help Eric Bana along. Oh, big time. Because he is completely serviceable here. He does his job. Yeah. He does it well enough. I really, really enjoyed this movie. I'm a fan. Other people who are a fan, Rotten Tomatoes, 1 to 100. Go ahead. Uh, I don't like the way you phrased that. Is it higher than I think it is? I'm going to say like 68. 62. Ah, okay. So you thought higher. Good for you. <laughs> Audience score, 29. Wow. Yeah, people so hated this. So it's a this. drastic difference. There's a reason why people hate it. It's one thing we've been saying, that this thing is very very ahead of its time. Big time. Even if this came out today, it might still be ahead of its time. Yeah, I think you might be right. The critics' consensus on Rotten Tomatoes is, while Ang Lee's ambitious film earns marks for style and an attempt at dramatic depth, there's ultimately too much talking and not enough smashing. Okay. I sort of agree. I get that. But I sort of don't agree. I feel like when you say Hulk, all people want is smashing, and that's exactly. not, but that's that's not really the character, and that's, there's no story to just like go around and smash everything. It's silly if you do that. It's also silly to not introduce the character until 42 minutes into the movie. Also true! <laughs> Roger Ebert did see this movie, though, and he gave it three out of four stars. Not bad. This one's a bit long, so hang in there. He says... The Hulk is rare among Marvel superheroes in that his powers are a curse, not an advantage. Mm. When Rage overcomes Dr. Bruce Banner and he turns into a green monster many times his original size, it is not to fight evil or defend the American way, but simply to lash out at his tormentors. Like the Frankenstein stories that are its predecessors, Hulk is a warning about the folly of those who would toy with the secrets of life. It is about the anguish of having powers you do not seek and do not desire. What scares me most, Banner tells his only friend Betty Ross, is that when it happens, when it comes over me, when I totally lose control, I like it. Yeah. Ang Lee's Hulk. The movie's title drops the the. Is the most talkative and thoughtful recent comic book adaptation. It is not so much about a green monster as about two wounded adult children of egomaniacs. Yeah. Banner was fathered by a scientist who has experimented on his own DNA code and passed along genes that are transformed by a lab accident into his son's Hulkhood. Betty Ross is his research partner. They were almost lovers. But it didn't work out, and she speaks wryly of 
my inexplicable fascination with emotionally distant men. <laughs> Her cold father is General Ross, filled with military bluster and determined to destroy the Hulk. Yes, all of that. These two dueling Oedipal conflicts are at the heart of Hulk, and it's touching how many scenes we are essentially looking at damaged children. I didn't even think of that. And when you get to the bottom of it, this whole movie is really about two damaged children coming together, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, it is. It is two kids' daddy issues manifested in a green smashing monster. Ebert finishes by saying whether Hulk will appeal to its primary audience, teenage science fiction fans, is hard to say. No doubt it will set the usual box office records over the weekend, but will it reach audiences who will respond to its dramatic ambition? Ang Lee has boldly taken the broad outlines of a comic book story and transformed them to his own purposes. This is a comic book movie for people who wouldn't be caught dead at a comic book movie. That is, in 2003, astute AF. I think that's the right way to put it. I know it was lengthy, but I think Roger Ebert kind of nailed it. Oh, yeah, right in the head. The folks who didn't nail it on Amazon.com, because <laughs> this thing got a 4.4 out of 5 stars, Ooh. 71%, 5 star, 4%, 1 star, which is a lot, but damn near everybody who gave this thing a 1 star review, they were from the last five years, they talked about how big of Marvel fans they were, and they talked about how much this movie sucked. Huh, it's an interesting take. I think they're comparing it to modern MCU, tell you the truth. I think that's the issue For of sure. why they don't like it. They're not looking at it as its own standalone 2003 pre-MCU thing. Exactly. They're like, well, Nick Fury didn't show up at the end, so I don't like it. That's pretty likely, actually. <laughs> but the people on Letterboxd, they got their own opinions. They sure do. From April 1st, 2018, Freud smash. <laughs> Succinct and accurate. From April 27th, 2019, you wouldn't like me when I'm Ang Lee. <laughs> I get it. It's a play on words. It really is. And it's just beautiful wordplay, really. It's <laughs> so well done. Good for you. I can't even be mad at that. From August 19th, 2018, pretty cool of Ang Lee to make a feature length advertisement for therapy. <laughs> That's good. If you need help, go talk to somebody. In all seriousness, <laughs> go talk to somebody. Unpack your demons. Unpack whatever's going on with you. Get healthy. Get right. It would have done Bruce a world of good For in sure. this movie. <laughs> Speaking of Hulk and advertisements, milk make bones strong. Bones no break when Hulk drink milk. Is that an ad? Oh, A real yeah. ad? It's a real got milk ad. Oh, my God. Those ads are, like, just brilliant it over is just and over again. Big old green Hulk with a milk mustache. From March 6, 2019, the least crowd-pleasing Marvel movie ever made, and I love it. Least crowd-pleasing. This came out the same year as Daredevil. It sure did. They know what they said. <laughs> and X2. Could you imagine oh, so that true. crossover? No, and I'm okay with that. The early 2000s MCU would have been Tobey Maguire, the X-Men, Ben Affleck, and, <laughs> it's a mess. and Eric Bana. <laughs> All the star power? I still would have watched all of it. Oh, without a doubt. <laughs> and the last one I have is from August 23rd, 2021. Typical Hollywood nepotism. Executive producer Stan Lee giving the director job to his nephew, Ang. <laughs> 
I was like, where is this going? And I'm glad I waited for the punchline. We went the direction that letterbox should have gone That's in all so the time. Good. And on that nepotism, let's give this thing a super stuff score. <laughs> let's do it. Start off like we always do with story and motivation. This is one of the weird areas where I think that the motivation is stronger than the story. Especially when you look at it from the hero's perspective, the protagonist, right? of how Bruce doesn't know where he sort of came from. The mom that we see at the beginning of this movie is a foster mom, right? not his real mom. Krenzler. Who says, you're going to do science real good. And he goes, I science good. Trust me, mom. Okay, I'll try, mom, fake mom. Then he happens to pick up the same sort of work that his father was doing. Just convenient. Which is very, very, very convenient, but- it all tied together really nicely because his father does come back and he's still trying to figure out who he is while still trying to do the science behind what's inside of him. Right. I'm going to go with a one. Damn. I actually, I agree, um, but more so based on story and less on motivation. Um, I think motivation is, is fine. I don't think it's bad, but I think the story here is just, even with all your flashbacks and, and the way they they do it it's still a solid story easy to follow and it makes sense i like the reveals that they have in this thing yes. because you understand that bruce something happened to his mom something right. happened to his parents we don't know what it is it gets slowly unraveled slowly, as we go through it yeah the slow trickle of memories coming back but this movie really is about bruce getting his memory back getting his past back understanding who he is right and he just so happens to be a big green man at the same time it's great it's a one it really is i'm gonna go with a one Hero. It's the Hulk. It's the Hulk, who's always an iffy area when it comes to heroes. In this case, I'm going to leave it in that iffy area, because he is very good. This is a good Hulk. It's a good Hulk. He's not just going about smashing. He has recognition of the things around him. It's not a totally separate character for the most part. Right. It's kind of an extension of the character of Bruce Banner Even in though a lot he, of ways. When he's back as Bruce, he says everything from when he was Hulk is like a dream and not so much solid memories. Right. I think that this hero itself doesn't kill, which I really, really like, because there should be a lot of collateral damage, and there right. isn't. I want to say keep that it in the desert. IMDb said that there were only eight deaths in this movie, and I don't know if they counted the three dogs. He doesn't really save the day because there isn't a day to save. Right. Which if is anything, different in he's itself. the threat. He's, well, no, he's, uh, he's both the threat and the savior to the threat. And That's I like true, how, as because... the audience, we get to see that play out. Yes. If you're on the military side, you don't really get to see that play out. Right. I kind of want to go 0.75. Something's holding me back from a full-blown one. I think it's more of a 0.5, personally. I'm okay with that, too. Just because... Was, it was going to be a dirty 0.75, but yeah. I'm okay with a 0.5. A 0.5, mostly for those poor people who have to go through their insurance in San Francisco now. It's going to be tricky. One lady got a couch thrown through a window. <laughs> Villains. Who? I don't know. It's like the world versus Hulk in this movie. <laughs> it really is. You have Thunderbolt Ross and you have David Banner. And you have Glenn Talbot, who is not Henchy. He is his own villain here. There's three separate villains in this thing. And it's not Spider-Man 3-ing. It's not at all. I'm going to go with a one and call yeah, it a day because everyone's working against your protagonist. I think it's fantastic. It's, it's very good. And it doesn't feel overly busy. Right. How it's all working out. Like, all the pieces connect in certain different ways, and it still fits nice and snug. It's exactly. nice. And your antagonists are all antagonizing each other, too, which is like a whole other level. It's really, really well done. It's excellent. One for villains. Parents. 
We get two dead on-screen we, parents. We sure do. We get one early on and then one later on. That's a full-blown one. That's a full-blown one. Female characters. Whoops, I don't know why I said that with an S at the end. No, I think that's a problem in itself. To avoid any trouble on my end, I want you to answer this one. All right, all right. Here's what I'm going to say. We fridged the mom. And we sure did. Didn't even mention it until the end of the movie. And we also fridged the, the foster mom. Yep, we she said, you science good, and he goes, I science goodbye. Okay, that's a that's a wrap on, on foster mom. Betty. I think Betty is actually an excellent character, but... There are some issues when it comes to her motivation as far as like, I love him, daddy. Like she is, I don't know. She's the only one who has the balls to face the Hulk, which is something I absolutely love. She is, but I think she understands that there's some sort of recognition there. Right. And she wants to figure out the science behind it. I don't appreciate her trying to figure out the psychiatry behind it. Right. The psychology behind it. She's a science scientist, not a psychology psychologist. And I think that's a bit selfish of her. That's fair. But I also think her character is a bit selfish because she also says, like, put me with the Hulk, I'll calm him down. Right. And it works. She knows that she has that power over Bruce and over the Hulk. Is that selfishness or is that cockiness? But at the same time, she's right, so. She is right. Oh, God, I kind of want to go, like, 0. 0.75, 0. 0.5. I, I don't know what it's going to be. I definitely don't want to go that high. I would go 0. 0.5, and I would still feel weird about it. I'm okay with that. It's a tricky character yeah it's but the problem is that it's one character it's the only character exactly yeah let's go with a 0.5 and feel weird 0.5 and feel weird setting you got this pretty sweet desert all that sand lots of desert space real neat bunker uh yeah lab is super cool it looks great and then you got san francisco and san francisco I know where I am all the time. It's got the Golden Gate Bridge, so I'm like, yep. That's all you really need in that pointy building that you see in the room all the time. Right. <laughs> I'm going to go with uh, 0.75. The desert's fine. Yeah. It's nothing special about it. Right. It, it's a desert. and then it's Yeah, like... I'm, I think it's fine. I like knowing where I am all the time. I do too. 0.75. Style and tone. I want to start at 1.5. Whoa, this guy, not even starting at 1 anymore. No, because this is the stuff that was really hard to talk about. Yes. About how you have these comic book panels that are constantly moving as we see the screen Super sort of cool. shift around. It tells the story through paneling, and you see multiple shots of the same thing happening. Which, again, nightmare, but ended up being worth it. Ang Lee really got to see his vision come through with this thing of, this is a comic book movie, and damn it, I'm going to make sure of that. Yeah. It's to the point that where you have, again, the comic book panels, you have these weird freeze frames. Yes. You have these crazy colors happening on screen. But then I think more importantly, you have these characters going over the top. The ones who are capable of doing it, yes. Eric Bana, they fridged him <laughs> as a person because they said you're emotionally distant. Nothing's happened here. Yeah. Thunderbolt Ross has layer on layer on oh, layer. Absolutely. He's impossible to figure out. But Talbot is nothing but a comic book character. Absolutely. Talbot is completely out there. And Nick Nolte, they also say emotionally distant. However, this guy. Completely unstable. Yeah. But this is such a character driven movie that I think that you cannot ignore the characters and the style and tone of it. Stylistically, it looks unbelievable on screen. Yeah, which it uh, is so well done. Yeah. It is so well directed. It's so well edited. And it's held up so well. 
over the last almost 20 years. Absolutely. And then when it comes to the tone, I think that relies almost entirely within the characters. And you don't see characters like this in the MCU for the most part, especially because you don't get a lot of one-off movies. It's all connected, and I think that might actually be a downfall of the MCU. I mean, maybe, but... Not to poo-poo the MCU, (laughs) but I'm saying that this tells a full story. Yes. And you see the characters fully get to play out their story that we're seeing here. Yeah, we get to see the full arc. We don't have to be like, how are they going to change again in the next one? Exactly. This isn't a continuation. There's not a whole another thing of where Thor's now going to go into space and be a guardian or something like that. You don't have to worry <laughs> about that with this story. So it's very contained. Yeah. I'm. You know what? I started at 1.5. I'm going to leave it at 1.5. I think it might be too much. Like, I love what they're doing, but at a certain point, you start to abandon your audience, and it's clear as day that that happened. I mean, you have these weird little things in between scenes where, like I said, like, oh, look, it's a lizard, and there's, there's, it's a beautiful shot, and I get that there's like, hey, look, remember, weird stuff, but at at certain points, there's not a need for it. I agree, but this thing is realistically a $137 million art house movie. Oh, for sure. So is there a need for it? Absolutely not. (laughs) But does it fit the tone that you have so many little needless one-offs, like that stupid moon shot of how it's in the water and then it becomes a solid moon? You're like, that doesn't need to be there. This is just angly flexing at this point. But also it fits, which is weird. Yeah. Uh, Maybe it's just because there's so much of that kind of weirdness happening. Want to split the difference? One, two, five? Nailed it. (laughs) All right. Music. It starts at a one because it's Daniel Elfman. It is the fucking Elfman. I couldn't hum back a single note of this thing to you, I but I loved it while watching it. Also could not, but damn it if it wasn't great. The whole time I was like, this music, yes. Especially when they're flashing through the, the lightning, when they're jumping to the final fight, and in the very beginning. But then you also get the weird little Michael Dana motifs in there, right? where you have the desert scenes with the goddamn Enya voiceover whatever it is with <laughs> whatever that bullshit is I love that. that they like doing in the early 2000s yeah they brought him in and they were like this is the wrong tone let's bring in Danny Elfman he'll have 36 days to score the whole movie and then Danny Elfman went like we're keeping the weird shit actually yeah Danny Elfman's a pro yeah you know what let's just go with a one and call it a day I think that's I perfect I can't hum a single note back to you on this yeah. thing one for music. One-liners. You got the classic Hulk line of, you wouldn't like me when I'm angry. I like how they yeah. saved that to the end. That's nice. But they didn't, then they didn't even give it in English. They just, they, they really kind of avoided the line, actually. They do, but I feel like it's like a necessary line. At this point. It's the line everyone's waiting for. Uh, I really like when he says, when I totally lose control, I like it. That is a good one. Puny human is always going to be good, and I like how they kind of have a callback to that in the Avengers with Puny God. Exactly. Which is great. That's a lot of fun. And I really, really, really love when Sam Elliott says, mutant French poodle. (laughs) Sam Elliott and his mustache put those Uh, three words together on film for forever. That's true. Mutant French poodle. And his... Excellent as that is, and it should probably be the name of his ASMR show, I don't think that counts as a one-liner. 
I'm going to go 0.25. Yeah. Because, yeah, there's a lot of forgettable things here, which is fine. 0.25 is, is pretty good, actually. And the last category is impact on the genre. This is possibly the most complicated one we've ever talked about. Really? Oh, yeah. Because this thing is pre-MCU, and they still tried to tie it into the MCU. Kind of. And it's not your first bit of true recasting of a character. Because obviously Tobey Maguire to Andrew Garfield to Tom Holland, even Spider-Man's had this whole arc. But Eric Bana goes to Edward Norton only five years later in a much bigger tie-in. But what foundation did Ang Lee lay that led to the MCU? Because that's the only way to look at it. Obviously, this is a Kevin Feige joint. Right. It is. I don't think that is where this movie's influence lies. I think you're getting the MCU regardless, because Iron Man is really what kicked off the style and tone for that entire thing. Completely agree. Um, But I think movies like Batman Begins and The Dark Knight and Watchmen would not happen without this movie. That's really interesting. More serious, dark-toned comic book movies. Where they're not afraid to kind of really get into the nitty-gritty of it and just lose the capes, tell the story of these characters. And also lean into style. I think that's very fair. Not to mention this movie did cost $137 million to make, and it doubled up. Yeah. Which is wild to me. Yeah. This thing was- Especially after it had- It had the- uh, It holds the record for the largest second weekend box office drop for a film that opened at number one. That happens all the time with comic book movies, though. Yeah, but this holds the record for the largest second weekend box office drop in all of movies, with a 69.7% drop from week one to two. huge drop. Oh my god! Um, where do you think this one falls? Probably like a 0.5. I'm okay with a 0.5. I think it had some influence, but it's not, you know. I was going to say a 0.25, and because I like this movie, oh, I'll gladly give the 0.5. You tricked me. That's going to give Hulk a very high total score of 7.75. That's way too high. So high. But also, you know what? I like it. This is one that is worth revisiting. This is a really interesting movie. It's really well done. There's some things that are not well done. I very, very much recommend it. Yeah. I did not think I would be here saying that with my mouth before watching this thing. Uh, agreed. Yeah. I um, I did not expect to like it as much as I did. I thought I was going to be like, man, it's not the MCU, but no, it's very good. I think it's better than The Incredible Hulk. I mean- By like leaps and bounds, bouncing- Like bouncing Hulk. Hulks. Yeah. It's a very good movie. I was surprised- but Brian, yeah, what are we talking about next week? Next week, we get to talk about somebody we haven't gotten to talk about in a long time because early on in this show, we kind of fucked ourselves by doing a Bat Month. We shouldn't have done that. Why would we do we that? We ate up five Batman movies in one month, and then we're like, oh, I guess we can't talk about Batman for a really long time now. Yeah, luckily, people decided, hey, I'm going to draw Batman animated style oh. and then make a goddamn movie out of yes, it. Yes, and that's the reason we get to talk about Batman, Mask of the Phantasm next week. This is probably one of the top three movies I've been looking most forward to watching for this show. I've been very excited because I've never seen this, but I know it blew up when it came out. It's like incredibly critically acclaimed because Batman animated series is critically acclaimed. I am so excited to finally get to watch this thing. Same. Oh my God. Next week. Batman, Mask of the Phantasm. Yeah, and that's just kicking off a 
banger of a month we have lined up for October. You want to spoil it? I mean, I don't mind if you don't mind. Spoil it. We got some. We got some fun stuff happening. Um, we're gonna following up Batman with Casper because it's spooky season, friends. And nothing spookier than Christina Ricci and Bill Pullman. Oh right? boy. <laughs> <laughs> we're gonna follow that up with what if because it's gonna end and we got to talk about it. We're gonna be talking about every single episode in one. Probably large episode. One so. super condensed. This is what happened. What if we talked yep. about it? <laughs> I can't wait, but I can wait because that's going to be wild. Yeah. Uh, and then we're going to close out the month with a with a spooky movie. We're talking about Brightburn, the bad guy Superman, the little boy with the unpure intentions. I can't wait for that one. So that's what we have coming up for October. Be sure to rate, review, subscribe. Um, definitely subscribe so when those episodes come out, you get them immediately. You don't have to go downloading them. You don't have to use your stupid fingers to push that download button. It just does it for you. It's just like, hey, we got some sweet, sweet new content for you. You trying to listen to some Casper? We got you. Also, like and follow us on social media at Kate Podcasters on all of the things. And uh, come visit us on Patreon. This month we're doing Monty Python and the Holy Grail. And it's so much fun. It's a lot of fun. But also, coming up in October, Super Mario Brothers. Bob Hoskins, John Leguizamo, Dennis Hopper, Monkey. All of the above. Uh, Every single dollar from the subscriptions on Patreon is getting donated to the Extra Life Foundation that benefits the Children's Miracle Network hospitals. Hop on to Patreon. Even if it's only just for the month of October, it's all going to a really, really good place. While you're on Patreon for your one-month subscription before you cancel it for just the donation, <laughs> there's like 20 other full episodes there of some of our favorite stuff we've ever done with Jaws and like When Harry Met Sally, The Fifth Element, Fight Club, Walk Hard, you name it. There's so much stuff there that is so much fun. It's some of our favorite stuff we've ever done. Yeah. I was really nervous you weren't going to mention Walk Hard. I will never not mention Walk Hard. <laughs> Yeah, we're having a lot of fun on Patreon, and and October is especially important because we are donating all of it. So, one hundred percent of everything on Patreon is getting donated to Extra Life Foundation. So, if you care about kids in hospitals, you're gonna go subscribe to Patreon. And if you don't, you could just think of that child withering away in his bed, going, "Man, I wish somebody loved me." And you sitting there listening to this, you're gonna go. Yeah, not my baby, not my problem. But that's fucked up. That is. So you're either a patron or a monster. You choose. Also, just like last year, proceeds from the Superstuff store are all going to Patreon in the month of October also. Actually, from now until the stream with Experience Grind Kyle down in North Carolina, we're going to be doing that. Exactly. And there will be some new designs coming. We've got a whole list of ideas. So It's... Too many ideas. Stay tuned to the Superstuff store. Stay tuned. And also, if you're like some kind of weirdo who just wants to donate and not get all that sweet, sweet content, there is a link on our website, kpodcasters.com, just for extra life. You could be a weirdo, and that's okay. You can just be generous for the sake of being generous and not getting anything in return, I guess. It's for the kids. All that said, if you have anything you want to say to us directly, you can send us an email, kpodcasters@gmail.com. I do not care for the inflection you put on that because that means you have some. I have some messages. First up, we got a message from Cubicle Monkey. This was actually sent to us via Patreon, so that's why I'm reading it first, even though it did not come in first. I appreciate that. Cubicle Monkey says, hey, just finished the latest episode, glorious as always. 
Here's one Arnold cameo that I wish existed. Arnold playing Conan the Librarian in UHF. <laughs> oh, man. That's too good. What, you don't know the Dewey Decimal System? <laughs> Love the work. I'm putting my sweet Kate Podcaster's coffee mug to good use. See, that's, that's why there are favorites over on Patreon. Have a good one, Cubicle Monkey. No lawyers this time. I like it. Thank you for leaving the law out of this. And of course, it wouldn't be a long episode without an email from the Ginger Skull. Oh, jeez. Entitled Taylor Ham v. Pork Roll. Oh, why is he weighing in? He's from North Jersey, born and bred. Ahoy hoy, super dicks. Oh, guy, I hate him so much. Editor's note, so much. super dicks is in you guys are super dicks, not that you possess super dicks, i.e. penises. I'm glad he clarified. It is I, the Ginger Skull, once again saving the day. On one of your prior radio broadcasts, you argued over the proper nomenclature of the overly processed, albeit overly delicious, food product that is known to some as Taylor Ham and to others as pork roll. As an expert in all matters of New Jersey, I can safely say that, once again, you are both incorrect. You should be embarrassed. The following is noted. If the food product in question is cut into slices equal to or thicker than one-eighth of an inch, it should be referred to as a sliced ham. Many throughout the state will colloquially... That's a hard word. Colloquially refer to it as <laughs> Nailed it. sliced Third try. <laughs> <laughs> sliced hammers or slammers for short. If on the other hand it is cut into less slices less than one eighth of an inch, it should be identified as a pig hog cut or pog for short. I knew that's the direction it was going. In. For a tasty treat, many in the Garden State often enjoy mixing both slammers and pogs together, so much so, in fact, that it inspired a very small and localized toy trend in New Jersey in the 90s. Many, <laughs> many in my elementary school participated in said obscure trend, but I was too busy buying cigarettes and totally making out with girls. He wasn't. Hatefully yours, the ginger skull. And now here we get into the PSs. Okay. P.S. In regards to your discussion on how to remove a gerbil out of one's rectum using the wits of a cat, you skipped over the very important step of using lasagna as a lubricant. He's right. That's, that's true. We did do that. <laughs> P.P.S. Where's my t-shirt merch? Stay tuned. Stay tuned. And P.P.P.S. In Master of Disguise. Son of a bitch. Oh, okay. An entire 12-minute sequence where Dana Carvey's character assumes the disguise of a person with dwarfism and crawls under a wedding party had to be cut from the movie as it was seen... As too offensive for the time. That strangely has me wanting to watch this movie more. We've oh, gotten so many requests for that damn movie at this point. Uh-huh. Uh, I'm going to say it out loud with my mouth. Yeah, I think it's time. Stay tuned. Damn it. That hurts. It's not any time in the near future. Yeah. But I can't not say it won't come up in 2022 at some point. I mean, possibly early That's on. the beauty of we'll get there. Kind of buys us time. That is all I have from the caped inbox, uh, but we do on Facebook, before every episode we record, put up a post asking for your questions and comments. Dave, do we have anything? We only got one, and it is Captain Spoiler Micah. Oh, boy. He said, settle the debate, Ruffalo or Norton, which I think is a little unfair to Banna. That is a little unfair to Banna, but uh, to be fair to Ruffalo and Norton, I wasn't going to pick Banna. <laughs> I agree. And to be fair to Norton, I wasn't going to pit Norton. Yeah, see, here's the thing. As an actor, on the whole, Norton every time. But when it comes to my Hulks, it's got to be Ruffalo. I completely agree. I'm glad we're the same vote on this yeah. one. That was easy. Debate settled. Did it. That all we got? That's all I have. Fantastic. 
We're going to see you guys next week for Batman Mask of the Phantasm. Same pod time. Same pod, Bob Vila. Thank you.